Tomorrow is Janmashtami, celebration of the appearance in this world of Krishna. Sometimes also called Krishnashtami or Gokulashtami. Krishna appeared a little over 5,000 years ago. We may, wonder, we may wonder, we should wonder, who is Krishna that he's still, his appearance in this world is still being celebrated after 5,000 years. We see some famous people's birthdays are celebrated. In India they have what they call Gandhi Jayanti for Mohandas K. Gandhi, who was shot dead in 1948. So he's not on the same level as Krishna. Ambedkar Jayanti. Anyway, all these useless people. In Slovenia, do they celebrate the birth of any local hero? Jesus? He's not local, but. They don't know his birthday, actually. But they, there was a pagan festival, what they call pagan, around this time of year, and so they, they changed it into a celebration of the birth of Jesus, which they don't actually know when it was. Anyway, Krishna's older than all of them. It's 5,000 years ago, and still being celebrated very lavishly, in, in India at least, it's a big affair, as I told you the other day. At our Juhu Center, more than one million people will visit, starting from Mongolati tomorrow, which would be around midnight, I guess, here, the actual time, and then going right up until... Mongolati the next morning and it's a lots of people come. Actually probably more people visit our Juhu Center on Janmashtami than any other place in, on Janmashtami. In Vrindavan it's not such a big festival actually. Radhashtami is maybe bigger. Govardhan Puja is a very big festival. Anyway, by Srila Prabhupada's grace it's a big festival all over the world now. In all the centers of Iskon, it's celebrated with pomp and grandeur, as we see. Celebrations, preparations are going on. Garlands are being made. Krishna likes flowers. Patram, pushpam, halam, tayam. Krishna says, if you offer me leaf, flowers, fruit or water, you may bhaktya, prayatati. Who offers me these with bhakti? I will accept them. Tadaham bhakti upahitam. Twice, he says, with devotion. Who offers this? Bhakti upahitam. Ashnami prayatapana. I offer, I accept if it's offered properly. So, where, where have all these flowers come? Devotees have grown these flowers, is it? Some of them, some of them are purchased, some of them are grown. Yeah, that's the nice thing. Grow it. Make garlands. You're going to be up all night making garlands? 
<laughs> Maybe. Usually that's... The night before is uh, the beginning of the... Night before, even days before. It's a big arrangement. Anyway, our question is, who is Krishna? Who is this person, Krishna, that we're making such a big arrangement for? Offering him flowers, and tomorrow there'll be so much cooking. Maybe the cooking already started, is it, for Janmashtami? You can make some preparations well in advance. Not all preparations, some preparations. Well, the same question comes up with Kunti Devi. She when she addresses Krishna in her famous prayers, which we'll find in the uh, eighth chapter of the first canto of Bhagavatam, she says that, well, some, why does Krishna appear in the world? She specifically addresses this issue. There are differences of opinion on this. Some say that he came to uh, to uh, increase the fame of the kings who are his followers to relieve the burden of the earth being prayed for by Brahma she gives various reasons in one of the verses on that in that chapter the 29th verse uh, Vishnu Chakravati Thakur in his commentary addresses this issue who will decide the truth about you if there is a disagreement no one can decide this is explained in two verses so if there are differences of opinion over who is Krishna, it's very difficult to say. Vishwanachagra Thakur's commentary continues, No one knows the plan of you who desire to make the knowledge of those who speculate about scripture useless. Or no one knows the plan of you who desire to play the role of human beings as Rama and Krishna. Or no one knows the plan of you who desire to delude the fools by not letting them see your sweet qualities. All men have different, differing ideas about you. So there are differing ideas about Krishna. And I'll discuss some of them in the upcoming discussion of who is Krishna. The sun shows attachment to the sunstone by imparting its own qualities. It shows indifference to the blind people and is helpful to the Chakravaka birds who become joyful when the sun rises and destroys darkness. The sun is harmful to the darkness used by thieves and owls, but the sun is not partial to anyone. It manifests the same light to all. The cause of difference is the good or bad qualities of the specific object. It is the same with the Lord. Different people relate with the Lord in different ways according to their qualities. So the example is given. The sun shines... And the blind people, well, they can't take advantage of it. They, they can't uh, take advantage by seeing, which is the gift of the sun. They can, to the blind people, whether the sun is there or not, does makes no difference to what they see. And they don't see anything. So this is the example given. Krishna relates with people in different ways. Uh, so what will we answer to the question who is Krishna or what will different people answer what will they say uh, well obviously Krishna is very important uh, but if we ask the average person on the street in Ljubljana what will they say if you say who is Krishna they might not know they, they may answer well it's those people who 
jump around with funny markings on their faces. In, in America, sometimes they call our devotees the Krishnas. The Krishna. No, we're not Krishna. But people, they may say, or many people, they may not know at all. Krishna? Hindu God, maybe? They might say, what, what will they say? What do you think? What kind of responses will you get if you just go in the shopping place in Ljubljana and ask people, who is Krishna? What will they respond? An Indian God, Hindu God, something like that. They may have heard of him. Is it by Prabhupada's grace they've heard of him? Otherwise, previously, in the Western world, hardly anyone knew. Maybe some college professors, they would say, he's the eighth avatar of Vishnu. Hindu God, said to be, this is the language of the scholars, Hindu God said to be, the, not he is, but said to be, according to some, in their opinion, this is the language of scholars, the eighth avatar of Vishnu. All glories to Srila Prabhupada who didn't teach us this wishy-washy language. Maybe, in the opinion of some, said to be, we didn't hear this from Srila Prabhupada. So, yeah, different people give different answers. Most people don't care. That is their misfortune, but we shall try to care about Krishna. We should make the center of our attention Krishna. So let us consider who is Krishna. This, over, this lecture will be a series of lectures because uh, it's a big question. He's a big person. So, we can answer it very briefly, or we can answer it in great detail. And I'll try to discuss this in some detail, but then it won't be in one lecture, it'll be in several lectures. So it may go on here, and then the next place I'm going, and like this. Let us try to consider, who is Krishna for our purification? What will different people say if we ask them? Many people, if we ask them, they'll give offensive answers. That's also true. We should also be prepared for that so that we can understand how to reply. Not be, uh, not, not be that our faith will be disturbed if we hear people saying offensive things about Krishna. So, we, we should also know what the rascals and demons and fools say about Krishna. Not that we subscribe to that, but we, uh, we should know. Just like in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna, he, he also knows, he addresses this issue that people, they speak wrongly of him. Avajananti maunurha. The rascals, Krishna says, the fools, they don't know me. They're ignorant about me. They say that I'm just uh, some human being. They don't know who I am, that I am the Supreme. So we'll, we can discuss a little bit, not all the rascal things that all the rascal people say, but some of the, what some of the 
uh, more prominent rascals, say, or repeated uh, the perennial things within history. There are perennial in the sense of coming again and again, occurring again and again. Because even what's that? One man told me, Krishna is a playboy. Krishna is a playboy. playboy yes. Yeah. So that's a perennial criticism of Krishna. He's a playboy. So we'll get to that. So uh, and then, then uh, we'll discuss what do the devotees say. That's what we really <coughs> what the devotees say about Krishna. So that our appreciation of Krishna from various uh, perspectives of different devotees will increase. But we hear about Krishna from devotees, and in this way, our appreciation of Krishna will increase because devotees appreciate Krishna, and our appreciation of the devotees will increase, and our appreciation of the devotees' appreciation of Krishna will increase. So in this way, by hearing about Krishna, what different devotees, but through what different devotees say about him, our appreciation of Bhagavan, of the bhaktas, of the Supreme Lord and his devotees, and of bhakti, of the process of devotional service, that will, all three will simultaneously increase So, uh, yeah. Well, where to begin? Who shall we begin? Who knows? <laughs> who knows about Krishna in the Western world? Yeah, people. They know. You're saying. Some someone said to you that he's a playboy. Where did they get this idea from? They must have heard it from some rascal. Actually, it's, in one sense, it's good that he's saying that. In one sense, it's good. Because definitely the rascals will criticize Krishna. They wouldn't have known anything about Krishna to criticize. Prior to Srila Prabhupada's preaching in the Western world, they wouldn't have known about Krishna to criticize him. So at least they know it. That means people know about him to criticize him. Otherwise they didn't know him. Devotees, they glorify Krishna. And people of demoniac tendency, they become envious. And then they come up with all these ideas. They wouldn't have got it from Prabhupada's books. Because Srila Prabhupada, he counteracts, along with the descriptions that Prabhupada gives of Krishna, he, he preempts any possible criticism of Krishna by giving the proper siddhanta, the proper understanding within his books. So, uh, nevertheless, people are envious of Krishna. They're, they will uh, criticize Krishna, just like someone will say he's a playboy. So, then if someone says, they criticize Krishna like this, what will you say? They say, how do you know? How do you know Krishna's a playboy? They say, well, they'd say, he's... Uh, Playing with other people's wives. How do you know he's playing with other people's wives? It's stated in Shastra. Then you believe what's in Shastra about Krishna? Then why don't you take the whole thing? He's the supreme personality of Godhead. Why do you only take one side? You, it's good you believe in Shastra. You, you, you say Krishna's a playboy, that means you believe in Shastra. But then why take it with half a chicken philosophy? Take the whole thing. If you believe in Shastra, the, the description of Krishna, you should also believe the description that people who criticize Krishna like you, you rascal, you go to hell. 
So be careful. Uh, yeah, now at least in the West, yeah, some people are criticizing. They don't know about Krishna, the science of Krishna. Bhagavat Tadra Vigyanam. People have some general idea. We're distributing Srila Prabhupada's books. They need to be educated about who is Krishna. Even prior to Srila Prabhupada coming to the West, some more intellectual people, they knew, at least they knew about Bhagavad Gita. It said that Einstein read Bhagavad Gita. It said, at least I've heard it, Prabhupada, he said that. I don't know where he got, I don't know if it's true, but... uh, in Germany at that time, Germany, Austria, among the Germanic-speaking people, German-speaking peoples, uh, there was a good interest in uh, Vedic philosophy, Schopenhauer and others, they were so-called, another so-called philosopher there. They were appreciating the uh, Upanishads especially and other works. So, it said that Einstein and, and others, they were, they were reading Bhagavad Gita. So they must have at least have heard of Krishna, because in the impersonalists' translations, which were the only translations at that time, or the, the translations of scholars who didn't understand Krishna, they wouldn't highlight Krishna. They would present the whole Bhagavad Gita in such a way as to hide Krishna. Strange, isn't it? The whole Bhagavad Gita is only for highlighting Krishna, but they managed to present Bhagavad Gita without highlighting Krishna. But it's impossible to present... Well, I guess you, it is possible, actually, to present Bhagavad Gita in such a way that Krishna is completely hidden. But generally, the, the translators, they will at least put in something about... Just at least mention his name, because it, if you're going to translate Bhagavad Gita, then the name Krishna, the very name Krishna... What to speak of other names like Govinda, Madhusudan, Madhav, Rishikesh, they come, Krishna's names come in Bhagavad Gita. The name directly Krishna comes. So in the West, some people knew about Krishna. Quite possibly, long ago in the West, people knew more about Krishna. We don't really know because... One of the great contributions of Christianity to the Western world was that it it destroyed almost completely any knowledge of the people and their way of life and way of thinking before pre-Christianity. And they called it pagan and heathen and backward and all this kind of thing. Although whatever little is left over of the uh, pre-Christian culture, we, we find that, that there are it was an advanced culture which was uh, advanced in the sense that they also had knowledge of, for instance, astronomy. Stonehenge in England is famous. It's, uh, you haven't heard of Stonehenge? It's pre-Christian... Uh, well, I don't know what it is. It's uh, an arrangement of huge stones which have uh, astronomical significance on the in the summer solstice or something, I don't, it's people now even they go there on the summer solstice. And I guess something. I, the uh, the shadows are aligned at noon on the summer solstice with something or other. Anyway, anyway, it has an, 
how they how people who are supposed to be primitive were able to bring such huge stones and place them in such an accurate way. Uh, it's not possible according to the myths that they tell us about pre-Christian civilization, but apparently it was uh, following the Vedic culture, maybe not in as pure a way as in India. But there is research going on, not in, not generally not in the official academic systems, but there are mavericks who don't follow the official line of academia, who are producing studies of ancient civilizations all over the world and finding out that uh, they're actually very advanced in terms of astronomy, mathematics, and in so many ways. So, um, according to Srila Prabhupada, that could be researched more. Uh, the whole world was following Vedic culture up to the time of Maharaj Janamajaya. And then later on, we, there was all knowledge of that was largely wiped out. Um, so it may have been in the Western world, it seems very likely that actually the ancient deities, Vedic deities, have been discovered practically all over the world, in all places, in, in Siberia, isn't it? In, in ancient deities of Ganesh, in Mexico, maybe some 30 years ago, a huge deity of Mahavishnu was discovered and then lost, surprisingly. Ancient deities and uh, like this. So whatever, whatever doesn't fit the, uh, the academic paradigm, it just gets lost when they find the body of a dinosaur with not skeleton, but the body that also gets lost, you know, just, you know, small thing. Somehow or other they misplaced it. So, <laughs> surprisingly. So there may have been, anyway, there may have been knowledge about Krishna in the Western world, but anyway, it got lost. Sakale Neha Mahatha. What about Jesus? He probably knew about Krishna. There seems to be plenty of circumstantial evidence pointing that Krishna, sorry, Jesus. Krishna was definitely in India. Jesus was in India. There have been many books written to this pointing to this, that Jesus was in India. And interestingly, as you probably all know, in the New Testament, there's not one single word written about what he was doing between the age of 12 and 30, which is quite a big gap, isn't it, in his life. So, according to some, he was in India at that time. And then after his crucifixion and Ascension into heaven, as it said, actually he went back and lived in Kashmir. So we're told. It may be, it may not be. But um, it may be that he knew. It'd be interesting if we asked Jesus, who is Krishna? Well, he said, it's recorded in one of the Gospels, that there are many things I have to tell you, but you are not ready. You're not fit to hear that. And Srila Prabhupada, he uh, gave the 
etymology of the word Christ that is derived from Krishna. Christo, Christos, Krishna. That was Srila Prabhupada's uh, derivation of the word Christ. The, the word Christ comes means of Krishna, representative of Krishna. Uh, otherwise, the etymology is given that it's, it means the anointed one. But no, anyway, whatever it may be. Jesus, if we ask him, well, what about uh, Muhammad? I wonder if Bhaktisthan Saraswati Thakur accepted Jesus as a Shakti Abhishekata. Srila Prabhupada also said that Muhammad was a great representative of the Supreme Lord. People may disagree now. <laughs> but uh, he was teaching on some level about Krishna, ultimately about Krishna. If we say Allah, the Supreme, that must mean Krishna. So how much did he himself know? That we don't know. If we ask his present day followers, who is Krishna? then generally they don't know much. But he may, he may have known something. We don't know. It's all lost in time now. But at least we can say that most people have heard of God. Who is Krishna? We can say in, very, uh, in a very vague way we can say he is God. That's why Prabhupada he didn't like to say God so much. He would say the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It's more definitive. If we say God, it's a very vague term. If we ask people who is God and they'll give all the, so many different ideas. But uh, everyone's heard of God. Srila Prabhupada pointed out even the Aborigines who have no education or no uh, formal culture, even they have some system of worship. They'll worship a big mountain or a big tree, the elements. They have some sense that there is something supreme. Uh, mostly the uh, people people who believe in God and consider them very pious, sounds very pious for doing so, they consider him in the words of Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur, the provider of fuel for the, their fire of sensual desires. They have a big fire burning of desire. Kamagni. And God is the provider of fuel. He provides objects to fulfill their desire. People think that God is the provider of our sense gratification. He punishes the wrongdoers. We hear about the God, the all-merciful, all-compassionate, all-kind God who throws people into hell forever with no hope of any redemption. And it seems that the people who preach like this, that their main pleasure when they go to, they presume they're going to heaven, Will be their main pleasure will be looking down at the people in hell suffering and laughing. <laughs> and they'll presume that God and God will provide them with eternal sense gratification and they will enjoy looking at all the condemned people in hell. It's a 
it's a childish idea. Uh, some people think God is the God is the protector of our race. We are a cho there is the chosen people. Chosen by God. And everyone thinks like that. God bless America. It's a commonly said thing. Why America? Why? God bless America and damn the Iraqis. Oh, they just left Iraq. They didn't leave, but they, they made a pretense of leaving Iraq. Who's next? Who are they going to try and smash next? God. God's on our side. That's what everyone thinks. The... the, the American saw, I know a devotee is going to, he joined the American army to, we've got to stop these Muslims, and the Muslims are thinking, we've got to stop these Christians. They're both praying to God. So, As Prabhupada said once, the, the thief is praying, God help us to steal. And the householder is thinking, God protect us from the thieves. And then God becomes perplexed. <laughs> So, these ideas of God, well, in this way you can say everyone's heard of God. If we ask who is Krishna, they may not know, but more or less everyone's heard of God. But these ideas, yes, yeah, struggling with Satan, there's another idea that there's this Satan, he's really bad, and God's struggling with him, and God's just about on top, but it's a real struggle. Whew. But anyway, we, we're cheering for God, and God's going to come out on top. Satan rules the world, but in the end, God will come down and deliver us all. And there are some people who say, no, look, forget God, Satan's the boss. He's doing better, he's way ahead. So better believe in Satan. Some people say like that. <coughs> I don't know, not in Slovenia, where people are very righteous, but... There are Satanists in more advanced countries of the world who have seen the reality that God, he might have been in control at one point, but Satan's taking over, so better go with the, better go with the winner. God might have been on top a long time ago, but Satan's been in control for a long time now, so better you know, worship Satan and get all goods, get all your, what you need from him. So these are all foolish ideas. Both the concept of a God struggling with Satan and of Satan are all foolish ideas, which actually fuels the fire of materialism and atheism. Because if you have to choose between this uh, God bless America kind of God and uh, you, know, yeah, you see this uh, smiling, God bless you, and just really... Uh, you know, anyone with even quarter of a brain that's working can understand this. What's this, what's this got to do with anything of any any intelligence? It's it's the, it's the kind of belief that's suitable for children under the age of five. Uh, so it's actually increasing the atheism. But even the atheists know there's God because atheism means they say there's no God. So, I mean, indirectly they acknowledge him. Actually, this uh, Richard Dawkins, who's the world's, I guess, number one propagator of atheism, or at least the most famous eh, professor at Oxford University, who's made the rest of his life's mission, I guess he's about 
must be in his 50s now, but he's vigorously promoting atheism. So he's peeved. And he said he doesn't like this word atheism or atheist because it defines us in relation to the belief in God. But why we should have a different name altogether because we don't we don't believe in God and why define it negatively? Why we we just it's just not for us God is not an issue at all. But of course God is an issue because. They wouldn't be so adamant about atheism if it wasn't that they were getting disturbed by people believing in God. So, like it or not, sorry, Professor Dawkins, like it or not, atheism is defined in relation to a belief in God. So indirectly they recognize which God don't you believe in? What's the definition of God that you don't believe in? Dawkins also answers that. He's... he's He's a learned person. Krishna's giving him a lot of intelligence how to uh, forget or, or to, to, to deny the existence of any god. So, uh, <clears throat> most people have heard of God. Although in some cultures, maybe not. Uh, if you go to a strongly Theravad Buddhist culture that's like hardcore Buddhism they hardly they have the concept of God in their consciousness at all that's the most difficult place I ever tried to preach Krishna consciousness in is Thailand which is a Theravad or otherwise Hinayan Buddhism, where they have no, they they no concept of God in their culture. They don't even have a word in Thai language for God. That's like, so when you try to preach them about God, it's it's very difficult. It's like trying to, you know, if you preach about uh, hogalossomuses to most people, they, you know, what are you, what are what are they going to think when you say a hogalossomus? What do you think? when I say hogalossimus. You know what to think, right? Doesn't mean anything to you. So it's, it's just a word that I made up just now. <laughs> so like that, if you say God, and people, it's just they have no idea. It doesn't mean they just... They have no idea in that culture. But if you say Buddha is God, well, they don't like that. If you try to equate Buddha with the idea of the Christian God, they don't like that at all. So uh, they're, they're the... Actually, Dawkins, you should go and study them. He doesn't like Buddhism either. He's not, uh, Buddhism is not really a religion, but he doesn't like it either. He only likes his way of living. So, anyway, we're not talking about God specifically, we're talking about who is Krishna? Who is God? The answer is Krishna. There was some TV program a few years ago, I saw a recording of that, the BBC. What does the world think of God? And they were interviewing all these people, giving them like about five seconds to say. 
and, and they had intellectuals all over the world and they gave them a little longer, about 20 seconds. But it's not something just like snap, 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 okay, just like something, something like a quiz. Who is God? And who can give the answer quickest? You won the prize. Not like that. To understand who is Krishna may take many, many lifetimes. Only a very elevated person, a rare elevated person, can understand who is Krishna. It's not, not such an easy thing. Anyway, on, uh, when they were asking people around the world, who is God? And then they also, one of our devotees, he was there, no? they, so Radha Krishna came this reply. He didn't say Krishna, he said Radha Krishna. So, uh, who is Krishna? Let's start at the bottom of the replies, the, the worst replies, and we'll gradually work up. Who will we ask? Well, the... Uh, the first Western Indologists in England, they were, they, they made their department of, in, in Oxford University for studying Sanskrit and the Vedic literature specifically for the purpose of vilifying it and attempting to show how it was uh, inconsistent foolish and all in all wrong with the idea that if we discredit the Vedic literature then naturally everyone will become a Christian which wasn't a very uh, uh, logical way of thinking because simply to discredit one way of thinking doesn't necessarily mean that people will accept another way of thinking that if you expertly discredit one way of thinking it doesn't necessarily mean that your way of thinking is correct. So it was a, a logical vacuum in their way of thinking. But anyway, uh, they came up with many wrong ideas about Krishna. Uh, they had this idea that Krishna was a lo he was a tribal god. And somehow this cult became quite popular and the tribal god Krishna became identified with the Vedic god Vishnu. And then phew, Krishna Bhakti took off. Is there theory? Just a theory. Evidence? Zero. But it's a theory based on their speculation. So that's one of the theories. Uh, the Western Indologists, they had a lot of influence and still do up to the present time. Uh, the general attitude in the universities in the Western world towards Indian culture, ancient Indian culture is patronizing at best. How is it in... Are you from Russia? Yeah, Ukraine. Ukraine. But it's similar culture, isn't it? So how is it over there? What's it like? 
they're, they're not so bad as in England and America, I think, is it? They have some respect for the They have some respect for the Of course, they went through a long period of uh, communism, which was uh, anti-theistic in general. There's some respect for the poetry, which the, the, the ancient Sanskrit poetry, I mean the ancient Kavyas and Bhagavad Gita. But in, in the uh, Indian studies, they, uh, they try to belittle the whole, the whole ethos of it's, it's like some ancient backward. It's just automatic, yeah. Because the whole idea in the Western world is that we have now evolved, and we are we are at the uh, we are the apex of civilization. We, the Western world, and the so that's there everywhere. So there are many wrong ideas, and they've also infiltrated. That was the idea of. Uh, of belittling the, the Indian culture. One reason was so that the Westerners didn't get attracted to it, but the main reason was to educate <laughs> Indian people uh, in English language and then teach them how much... The, the, the British people, they presumed their own culture to be so superior to that of the Indians that if Indians were exposed to both, and then naturally they'd choose the... Uh, the uh, Western culture. Western means English. And others, a little bit. Mostly English. That's their way of thinking. So uh, that, had, that has had some effect. And uh, of course, within India itself, they're, they're, it's not that. Uh, the British were the first to vilify the Vedas. That goes back at least as far as the Buddhists and Jains and uh, Charvak, the non-Vedic. Non but still, the culture of Krishna Bhakti has been so strong in India that people know. Even now, Krishna is very popular. Even now, in India. People just like Janmashtami, it's a big festival everywhere, and different forms of Krishna. Once I was in uh, Jharkhand, one previously part of Bihar state, and it is, uh, it was actually the uh, yeah, district town, and the whole. It was just before Ram Nomi, and the whole town was just the whole area was just everyone was preparing for Ram Nomi. There are more Ram Bhaktas over there than Krishna Bhaktas. So. Even now, despite all the modernization, uh, people like Krishna. As I was saying, in Bombay, in, in our temple there, over a million people will go on Janmashtami to our temple. And that's <coughs> sophisticated, modern, prosperous, apart from half the people who live in the slums. But it's, it's uh, India's most prosperous city. So... Uh, the attraction is there to Krishna. There are cartoons about Krishna, which I'm not so fond of. But, uh, the attraction is there to Krishna. People know about Krishna. As Prabhupada noted, even 
in, in India, even the Muslims celebrate Janmashtami, many of them. Maybe not so much now. It's, there's been a lot of politicization of religion, but Prabhupada saw him during his lifetime. There, there were so many Muslims that also uh, take part in Janmashtami and worship Krishna. Not only in India, you'll, you'll find in Indonesia. What's the national airline of Indonesia? Anyone know? What's it called? Garuda Airways. So their culture is still very much, even the Muslims, their culture has still got a lot of Ram Leela, Krishna Leela. In Thailand, the, uh, they, they worship many Vedic gods. Pakisana means Sri Krishna in Thai language. Pa means Sri and Kisana means Krishna. I was there. Prabhum means Brahma, Sri Brahma. Prain means Indra. So like this. They, that culture is, is widely spread. But there are many wrong ideas. <laughs> many wrong ideas about Krishna. Even though Krishna is well known, many wrong ideas which come from Mayavad, from envy of Krishna. Of course, the chief Mayavadi of the modern age, when I say modern, that means Kali Yuga, this Kali Yuga, uh, in this context. With Shankaracharya, he also he was a great devotee of Krishna. And if, if we read him carefully, then we'll find right at the beginning of his Bhagavad Gita commentary, Narayana Paroviyakta, in the very first verse, he says that Narayana is beyond the Avyakta. And Bhajagovindam, Bhajagovindam is very famous. He also wrote Krishna Ashtakam. So many prayers to Krishna. Actually, Shankaracharya, he's. Maybe, even though his name is not so well known, he's maybe the most influential person in the world, even more than Jesus, in, in the course of history, his ideas, his teachings, which, which are not really his. I mean, he just gave, he gives, he gave a form, of course, my bodies don't like that there should be any form, but he gave form to the tendency of the conditioned souls to uh, trivialize Krishna, to deny Krishna. Uh, so it's a funny thing that you'll find in India that people, they know Krishna and they worship him, but then at the same time, if you speak with most of them, they have so many funny ideas. I've had that experience. It's getting better now with the distribution of Prabhupada's books. When I first came to India, it was terrible. It was like, you know, it was like, like suffocating. If, you, if, you, if you're in a room, there's no air. You, so it's like we're suffocated by Mayavad. As soon as you try to speak anything, no, 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 God is not a person. No, no, why Krishna? There are so many gods. Still, you find people, plenty of people like that. But it was just like, it was so difficult to preach anything. The Mayavad was so strong. The distribution of Prabhupada's books as I see has made a lot of difference. 
in India. But still so many wrong ideas about Krishna. That's like he's, he's uh, what is that? You're saying a playboy. Or the Mayavadis, that he's a... Uh, Krishna is a manifestation of the impersonal Brahman. Krishna is manifested out of Sattva Guna. And ultimately they say, well, I am Krishna. We're all Krishna. Everything is Krishna. Everything is but Krishna directly addresses this misconception right there in Bhagavad Gita. Avyaktam vyaktim apanam manyante mam abuddhaya parambhavam ajanantam amavyayam anuttamam I got that mixed up with the previous one. Krishna very clearly says that those who people who consider that me, my personality this, my my Personness is a manifestation of the unmanifest. Krishna says they don't have any intelligence. They're stupid. They don't know who I am. They don't know my supreme nature, how I'm above everything. So despite that, the Mayavadis, they bring out so many wrong ideas. Karmis, Gyanis, Yogis, they all have so many wrong ideas about Krishna. Because if they, if we see, he's Krishna, if we accept he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Who is Krishna? He's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And we have to surrender to him. They don't want to surrender. They may want some benefit from him, but they don't surrender to him. So it's like, yes, we like you Krishna, but you're not God. Oh, you are God, but then there are so many gods. So, in this way, so many uh, wrong ideas come out. And even, the, even in India, the Jains and the Buddhists, uh, they can't completely avoid Krishna. Everyone knows Krishna, so... The, the Mayavadis, they, they'll worship Krishna very nicely and they think, well, at the end we'll just forget Krishna. We'll, we'll all merge into the ultimate light. They think Krishna is some kind of dispensable aid for meditation. We, we should meditate on the void, but it's very difficult to do that. So we choose the form of Krishna and when we are advanced, then we kick Krishna away and we just merge into the world. So, dispensable Krishna. Just like you use some toilet paper, you use it and throw it away. So like that. It's very offensive, actually. Many years ago, I saw that uh, in one temple, there was a picture on the wall, something like this uh, we have. Now it's circulating. You'll find in most Iskong temples they have a picture of the whole cosmos and then Vaikuntha. And there's so don't show that. There's so many mistakes they make. This poster that's circulating, they show things like Nrsimha Dev ripping apart Hiranyakashipu in the spiritual world. So many mistakes they made in that. Um, anyway, I, I, there was a picture like this with Garbhadakshay Vishnu in the 
hellish worlds and then all the different Tala, Atala, Sutala, Vitala, all these lower planets, and then the earth, and then the heavenly regions, and then the regions of the Rishis, and above that is the, uh, the region of Shiva, and then Vaikuntha, and then they show up at the top of the picture, there's Radha and Krishna, and just up above that there's one thing more, Om, with a light shining out of it. <laughs> They got Radha and Krishna. They got that above Vaikuntha. Marwari, Calcutta Marwari. They're influenced by both Gorya Vaishnavism and the Gita press and all this kind of stuff. So they put Radha and Krishna on top, but just above Radha and Krishna is something else. So Radha and Krishna, they, they're dancing and dancing, and then they merge into almost. Some, some horrible idea. So this is their disposable Krishna. Or you, you just worship Krishna and then at some point you're dancing. That, that's what you'll find. It's a very common thing. I saw a, an, an English translation of the, uh, what's that called? In the Tamil, the, what's that? Tirupavai? I never, that's uh, during the Madhalima, the, the, uh, the Sri Vaishnavas, they chant this prayer. And it's the gopis' prayers to Krishna while they're, they're doing their vrata, their katyayani vrata. That's in Tamil. So I saw the translation, and it's uh, they're saying all the way through. I, I just read a little bit because they're saying that the gopis they eventually merge into Krishna. You don't want to merge into Krishna. You're completely wrong. But there's their idea that the oh bhakti it's so wonderful and then you see eventually you dance in the Rasalila and then the gopis and Krishna they all become one. So so many wrong ideas, envious ideas. The uh, of course there are, there are others who will say that well Shiva is supreme and you'll find scriptures also. Shiva Purana, Shaivagamas, supposed Shaivagamas, Shiva is supreme. The Shaktas, they say that Shakti is supreme. It doesn't make any sense because Shaktiman should be supreme, not Shakti. The Shakti means manifested as Durga, Kali, they say Ma, our mother, she's, a, she's supreme. From her, from Durga comes Vishnu. They have these. They have their scriptures also, which say these things. Now, now you'll be confused. Oh, really? What to make of that? Well, I won't get into that now. I'll just state that. But they, they have their ideas. So, ultimately, they're all impersonalists. Only anyone except the pure Vaishnavas, they're impersonalists. Unless we understand the teachings of the Acharyas, then we're all just like even the Sri Vaishnavas who have translated the Tirupavai, and they're saying the Gopikas merge into Krishna. They're influenced by all these rascals. And you'll find that practically outside of Prabhupada, it's, it's very difficult to find 
people who properly understand, the, the Vaishnava understand, even among the traditional Vaishnavas, Madhvas are very strong, some of them. But uh, they're all influenced. They all think, oh, Vivekananda, what a great person. And you find even supposed great leaders of the Vaishnava community, oh yeah, Ramakrishna, very good. Uh, they can't understand how these people have completely messed up the Vedic culture so that Ramakrishna's idea, Kali and Krishna are all the same, but ultimately Kali is superior. Just very wrong ideas. The uh, yeah, Shankaracharya he introduces Panchopasana, the worship of uh, Surya Shiva, Shakti, it's Durga, Ganesh, and Vishnu. Five or so. Srila Prabhupada referred to this as the philosophized Vishnu. They they have some idea of you worship all these different gods and then eventually you merge into the oneness. And then Krishna and then any other god or any other form you like, whatever you like, whoever you like, it's all, there's no actual supreme controller, so you just, whatever, whatever you like, you can think of as God. And then eventually you understand that you are God. So in this way, they've confused people as to who is Krishna. So we should not remain confused. We should know who is Krishna. So we didn't get through to the nectar. But there's a lot of nectar in decrying the Mayavadis also. We should know who is Krishna and not that everyone who speaks about Krishna, even in apparent devotion, they're not necessarily devotees. They may be like Putana. She looked like a very good devotee. But her intention was different. She came in the guise of serving Krishna, but her aim was to destroy Krishna. So we should know who to go to to understand who is Krishna. Hare Krishna. I'm going to stop there and continue tomorrow and the next day. No, not the next day, the day after that. Like that. Who is Krishna? Is Krishna a manifestation of the impersonal Brahman? You should all stand up and jump up and down and shout, No! Get excited about it. If we're not angry against Mayavadis, then we're not devotees. If we think, kick them in the face with boots. That's what Prabhupada wanted to do. Then we know Prabhupada is a great devotee. People who you know, are falling on the ground and crying, I'm not sure about them, but I know Prabhupada is a devotee for sure because he fought for Krishna. He didn't like Mayavadis. Anyone who likes Mayavadis is a Mayavadi. <laughs> Kick them in the face with boots. So, we'll continue tomorrow. Krishna willing.